0: If you dare. This is Pro Football Blitz with former Super Contest winners Brady Cannon and James Salinas on vSAN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome in. It is the Pro Football Blitz. I'm Brady Cannon along with Adam Burke live at the Circa Resort and Casino in fabulous downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. James Salinas, uh, he was a game-time decision, and uh, we had to sit him out. Adam Burke filling in for James. We wish James good health and hope he will be back Next week, Adam, good to be with you. Thank you for filling in once again. And of course, we will dive into all the action from week three in the NFL and take a look ahead to what is going on in week four as well. Some of the matchups that catch our eye for week four in the NFL 2021 season. But first, we've got Sunday Night Football kicking off in about 15 minutes from Santa Clara, California. It'll be the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Green Bay Packers, and Adam San Francisco was a five-point favorite over the summer, the early lines that came out in June. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that there was still Uncertainty about where Aaron Rodgers was going to play quarterback in 2021. Now this week, the line opened up in favor of the Niners at three and a half. And immediate action was seen on the Packers side. And here, before kickoff, where we sit right now, currently the line three points in favor of the 49ers. A lot of people have juice on that at minus 120 on the favorite side. A total of fifty and a half.
4: Yeah, Brady. I think the obvious question is which Packers team do we see? You know, I mean, the, the Packers team that we saw in Week One. Aaron Rodgers did not look ready at all. The offensive line didn't look ready. The Saints really got a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers in that game. But then last week, the Lions did virtually nothing against the Packers defensively. The Lions had a very young, very inexperienced secondary out there in that game and, in fact, had some injury attrition throughout that game as well. So I think that's really the big question here is, you know which version of Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay offense do we see against a defense that is a step up in class for them. So that's really what I'm looking forward to. And I also want to see what Matt LaFleur does here in the first quarter because Matt LaFleur is a guy who's been a very good first-half coach for Green Bay. They've been one of the more prolific offensive teams in the first half. If they can play from ahead, force the 49ers out of their comfort zone a little bit, that would be the optimal situation here for Green Bay in this one.
3: Green Bay was trailing in the first half last week to those Detroit Lions that you mentioned, and then that offense really soured for Detroit in the second half and their defense gave up big plays to Aaron Rodgers and company. I understand taking the Packers at getting more than a field goal here uh for the Monday night game against the or excuse me for the Sunday night affair against the 49ers. The 49ers have so, have shown some weakness, but I think more so on an injury front. With their trouble in the running back core, Trey Sermon will get the start. Elijah Mitchell was listed as doubtful uh, earlier this afternoon. So uh, it's been running back a a turnstile there at running back for the San Francisco 49ers. So again, I I can understand taking three in the hook. However, this Packers offensive line is in trouble right now. There's a couple of holes that have been opened due to injuries to David Bakhtiari and now uh, Elgin Jenkins. Is going to be out for this game. And we've seen what Nick Bosa and that San Francisco front seven can do to Aaron Rodgers with a faulty offensive line.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and look, I mean, we all know Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL at throwing on the run. You know, he's got tremendous arm strength, can throw it all over the field when he has to be on the move. How much is he on the move in this game? Because you think back to that first game against the Saints, he was running around quite a bit. I think he was only sacked once or twice in that game, but he was hurried quite a bit and did make some bad decisions with the football. So Again, that'll be what the 49ers are looking to do, Brady. Exactly what you said. Get some pressure. Take advantage of that banged-up offensive line and see if they can, again, play from in front and just use that running game to kind of wear down Green Bay.
3: So Emmanuel Mosley, the cornerback for the San Francisco 49ers, he is still listed as questionable. Trey Sermon, again, will get the start at running back for San Francisco. Elijah Mitchell, Still listed as doubtful, I have to believe he is not going to see action today. Uh, Jamichael Hasty is out. Kevin Givens, a defensive lineman, is out. Javon Kinlaw and uh, let's see, Javon Kinlaw is listed as questionable. He's along that defensive front for San Francisco. Eric Armstead also listed as questionable. So Nick Bosa could be down a couple of his mates there to get that pressure on Aaron Rodgers, like you talk about. Uh, I think San Francisco, I kind of like this side here because of those offensive line problems for Green Bay and it seems like so many people jumped on the Packers catching that three and a half off of what they saw on that second half on Monday night where they really opened it up on Detroit, but This is a whole different team, the San Francisco 49ers. And we also know that history that Aaron Rodgers has out on the West Coast. Aaron Rodgers also has a pretty poor history on the road. And we saw that in week one against the New Orleans Saints. So um, I was saying uh, to Wes Reynolds when he was leaving the last show, the green zone, before we came in, it kind of feels to me like this will stay close and the Packers will cover that three and a half or San Francisco could really just roll this team.
4: Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. And again, I mean, the number matters so much in a game like this. If you can get Green Bay at three and a half at decent juice, it makes sense. If you can get San Francisco, you know, minus three flat, minus three, minus 15, something like that, then that side makes sense as well. You know, I think the number is very, very important when you talk about handicapping this game. One thing I did want to ask you about here, Brady, the total, you know, because this total has gone up a little bit. And in my mind, I would think a higher scoring environment favors Green Bay's chances of, of covering the spread and being competitive in this game. Because San Francisco does want to run the ball, does want to take the air out of the ball in the second half. So the fact that we've seen the total go up a little bit here, Brady, what do you what do you make of that? I actually think that might be the best bet
3: in the game, is going over the total. Now, the number could get a little carried away here. I've already seen at the south point it up to 52. But for the most part, you can still find 50 and a half. And uh, I would probably go over that number because uh, i think aaron Rodgers and Devontae adams are going to find success against that banged up san francisco secondary of course verrett went out in week one with an injury now you've got mosley listed as questionable here he is going to be crucial if he can go uh for this unit but that's really been the weakness for the san francisco 49ers even coming into the season was their defensive secondary their front seven is very strong great linebackers great front four uh, but the secondary does have some weaknesses, and I think Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers will be able to take advantage of that and score some points. On the other side, I think San Francisco will still be able to run the ball, even though if it's uh, with Trey Sermon and maybe Elijah Mitchell. Again, he is doubtful. I think you'll see some Trey Lance. I think you'll see some packages for Trey Lance, and I think you'll probably see him use his legs because we saw that Green Bay defense did not look good on Monday night. Now, again. Detroit kind of blew that effort in the second half, but in the first half, I think that Green Bay defense reminded me of Kansas City's defense when defending the run.
4: Yeah, and that's been a big concern for Kansas City. You know, I mean, we we saw an article from uh, I believe it was Jonathan Von Tobel in the Point Spread Weekly this week taking a look at the Chiefs' defense and some of the issues that they've been having, and it is very important. You know, I mean, you look at Kansas City who again failed to cover it today, actually lost the game outright, but you know, they can't defend in the red zone. And it's still hard in the NFL to outscore the opposition every single game. So Green Bay does need to figure that out on defense, especially because they don't look as buttoned up offensively as you would hope with you know, a guy like Aaron Rodgers. And maybe that has something to do with how the offseason went for them. So the one thing I will say, Brady, is regardless of, of which side or part of the total you like in this game, I guess it's a good measuring stick game for both teams. You know, I mean, San Francisco didn't really play two difficult opponents when they went out east. Green Bay just played the Lions, obviously didn't look very good against the Saints. I think these are good litmus tests tonight for these two teams and can give us an idea of maybe something you may want to do in the futures market, maybe something you want to look at from a division futures standpoint, something like that. So I'd pay close attention tonight, even if you don't have action on the game.
3: I think that's a very good point that you make and uh, I didn't even think of that but uh, you have the Seattle Seahawks now at 1 and 2 on the season they've lost two straight they fall to the Minnesota Vikings earlier today in Minnesota and you have the Arizona Cardinals at 3 and 0 along with the Los Angeles Rams who take care of business by 10 points over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers earlier today in Los Angeles so Los Angeles and Arizona sitting there at 3 and 0 the Niners are at 2 and 0 and Seattle bringing up the eight, bringing up the rear at one and two this is really a big game for san francisco to kind of hold serve here and stick with arizona and la and get to three and oh and keep that race tight in the nfc west
4: yeah and the one thing i'll say about that when you and i were on the air was it last week or two weeks ago um you know it was we thought, late at night you may, was, you may not recall It was very late at <laughs> night but we talked a lot about the nfc west we talked a lot about that division from a future standpoint about some possible mvp guys about some coach of the year guys and it is nice to see those opinions validated about the strength of that division, because so far it does look very, very good.
3: Yeah, and I don't think Seattle's a bad team. I think they were in a tough spot today. Minnesota was absolutely desperate starting the year at 0-2, and you could argue that they should have been 2-0. I think Minnesota is a pretty good team, and I think Seattle's a pretty decent team. But that defense was maybe a little exposed today as well we will talk about that game a little later in the program let's look at a couple of the prop bets here for the quarterbacks that will be on the field tonight Aaron Rodgers his passing yards total at 272 and a half Aaron Rodgers 272 and a half passing yards you want under or over that
4: I think I'd have to go over that you know I mean you just talked about you're expecting a higher scoring game in this one I do tend to agree with that position that you've talked about here and you know, if it's going to be a higher scoring game, I think Aaron Rodgers needs to perform well in this one. Aaron Jones, obviously a very good running back. You know, AJ Dillon's come in and done some good things, but you know, ultimately the game goes through number twelve. So I think Aaron Rodgers has to have a big game tonight. If you like the Green Bay side and if you like the over side, and I do like the over side, so I think you got to look at the over for Rodgers here.
3: Yeah, and even if you like San Francisco, I think that could be a situation where Aaron Rodgers is having to come back from behind. And I don't know how effective the running game is going to be because you have that offensive line being banged up down a couple of players, down a couple of starters, are the Green Bay Packers. So how good is that running game go, uh, going to be against a very good front seven for San Francisco? So I, I think the factors of this game here do spell t- uh, towards Aaron Rodgers going over this total of 272.5. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, his number is two forty three and a half, two forty three and a half passing yards for Jimmy Garoppolo. I might lean under there.
4: Yeah, I kind of like the under too. I mean, you mentioned it already that maybe we see some more Trey Lance in this game, kind of an X factor. You know, first home game here for the 49ers, kind of get a little bit of buzz going with that kid. And again, you know, for the 49ers to have success, they will do so running the football. And I know that Jimmy Garoppolo does have it in him to go out there and have a big game, but I certainly would expect the game plan for Kyle Shanahan will be run heavy and will be to try and keep Rodgers off the field.
3: I think that is probably the weakest part of the Packers' defense is the run defense, and uh, they're decent in the secondary. Kevin King, I understand, will be out of the game uh, in that defensive secondary for Green Bay, but I'd probably look towards Garoppolo's passing yards under and Aaron Rodgers' passing yards over. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Monday nighter, a good one going down in Big D on Monday night in David Spadaro. Well, join us to break it down as we get underway here on the Pro Football Blitz at Vsin, the Sports Betting Network.
6: This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on
0: VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome back to the Pro Football Blitz, Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you, and it's time to discuss the Monday Nighter—a big one out of the NFC East. The one and one Dallas Cowboys for their home opener, hosting the one and one Philadelphia Eagles. These two teams currently tied for first place in the division. And to help us sort through it, we want to bring in Dave Spadaro. He is a Philadelphia Eagles insider, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Eagles Insider. Dave, thank you very much for joining us this evening. And I tell you what, I I think the Eagles are one of the teams that has surprised me the most in the early going of this season. Uh, Into the offseason, I was thinking this was kind of a rebuild deal for them, a rookie head coach, rookie play callers, and essentially a rookie quarterback. We know all the problems they had with the offensive line last year and their inability to defend the run. But, boy, it's been pretty impressive through two weeks so far, Dave.
6: You know, it was a big win against Atlanta. That was great on the road. And Atlanta wins its first game today, uh, of course, against the Giants. And then a game against the Niners, who I know are playing shortly here. And in that game, so this is why I'm not surprised, this is a team that didn't finish the game. Many opportunities to put the Niners away, didn't do it. And so while you're surprised, I'm still trying to figure out what this team is. Are they capable of finishing that kind of game? Or are they a team that's going to come a little bit short as a young team and not learn how to win? That's why I think Monday night is such a great game, because the Cowboys are a good football team that, you know, you can't squander opportunities like the Eagles did last week against San Francisco.
3: Dave, I tell you what, you bring up the San Francisco 49ers. They will kick off here in about five minutes. Do you have an opinion on this game, Uh, what you've seen out of the Packers so far and the Niners? Of course, you saw them there up close and personal. Who do you think uh, gets this one on Sunday night?
6: You know, I will say this. The Eagles didn't take advantage of San Francisco's efficiency as a cornerback. Again, a a, a touchdown pass to Jalen Rager. nullified. He stepped out of bounds. A first and goal at the one. Didn't score any points. I think Aaron Rodgers is way too good. So I think that the Packers will actually take advantage of that if they can, if they can give him time to throw the football. And that's a, that's a tall order because the Niners have a great front seven. I think Fred Warner is as good a linebacker as you will find in the NFL. They're stout up front. But I just think that the weapons that the Packers have and Rodgers kind of getting back on his beam after that first week debacle, I'm going Green Bay tonight.
4: Dave, I want to ask you about the performance of Jalen Hurts here so far this season. Jalen Hurts 8.5 yards per carry. He's completed more than two-thirds of his passes. Hasn't thrown an interception yet with three touchdown tosses. What do you think of what we've seen so far this season from Jalen Hurts, and is this something that's going to be sustainable for him and this Eagles offense?
6: Yeah, I think it's a good next step for Jalen in his second year. No turnovers is the big number that I'm interested in. He will get his yards on the ground. I think the next step for a young quarterback is always, and we're seeing it with the developmental quarterbacks who are so athletic in the league, they're going to get their yards running the football. What, for example, has separated Kyler Murray in this year is that he is killing teams from the pocket. So to me, with Jalen Hurts, I'm not worried about the yards per carry. I'm worried about what's he doing in the pocket. Is he dashing defenses with the passing game? First game, absolutely did it. was perfect, great game against Atlanta. Last week, not as much. Had the 91-yarder Quez Watkins. 99 yards to 11 other uh, receptions. So 90, 91 to Quez, 99 yards split out over the other 11 completions he had. That's not productive enough. So, yeah, I think it's great that he hasn't um, turned the ball over. I think it's a good next step. And then the, 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 what you look for in a quarterback is another step forward, and that's winning from the pocket. So, um, again, good progress, and I think the Eagles are feeling good about him.
3: Dave, I think uh, the odds makers were a little confused about this Eagles team in the offseason as well. I mentioned how I was uh, figuring them to be worse than they have shown so far through two weeks. Over the summertime, the odds makers released Dallas as a 6.5-point favorite for this game. Now, when it opened up this week, they were a 4-point favorite, and the Eagles have seen the money. They're currently favored by 3.5 are the Dallas Cowboys, and it was impressive for Dallas in Week 1 in that loss to Tampa Bay. But conversely, I don't think they were very impressive at all in the win over the Los Angeles Chargers in Week 2. They were absolutely a big-time beneficiary of a lot of very odd calls by the officials down in Los Angeles.
6: Yeah, I mean, I really, it's tough to speak to that. I know the Chargers had, again, opportunities to win the game, didn't do it. What's impressive about the Chargers is that today they did it late in the game, fourth quarter, fourth down, showed some guts. Justin Herbert stepped up, got the penalty, and then the, the touchdown pass. Um, you know, it's very similar to what the Eagles did last week—squandered opportunities, as did the Chargers. So, I, I look I, when I look at the Cowboys, I see an offense that lost its right tackle and sustained last week. They have two excellent pass catchers in Ceedee Lamb, Amari Cooper, um, and and I think the Eagles' advantage tomorrow night is a bigger, stronger offensive line, even with some injuries. So. But the Eagles have to score. I mean, you can't score 11 points, 17 points. I'm not sure you can score in tomorrow night's game. I, I guess I kind of expect a lot of points scored. I think that the Cowboys are just really prolific offensively. The Eagles lose Brandon Graham in their pass rush. They lose Brandon Brooks on the offensive line. They're not going to have Jordan Mailata at left tackle. I mean, at the line of scrimmage, which is where the game is won and lost, it's a tough one for the Eagles. So, you know, if you get into a – if you can you hold the Cowboys down to 17 points? Are you holding them to 14 points, or are you going to have to outscore them 35-28? That's what I think is so intriguing about tomorrow. I'm still, guys, trying to find out what this Eagles team is all about. I can't tell you what the team is all about. I think it's this is why it's such an interesting team to watch. They're still trying to find out who they are.
4: Well, Dave, I mean, like you said, you think there's going to be a lot of points in this game, and that was the next place I was going to go is – Last week, the Cowboys ran for almost 200 yards on the Chargers, which is definitely a rarity for them because they've become a pass-heavy team. Over the last 19 games, Dak Prescott almost averaging 41 pass attempts per game. His over-under passing yards is on the other side of 300 here for this Monday nighter. So do you have concerns about the Eagles' pass defense tomorrow night? And if so, do you think that Dak winds up having a big night?
6: That's what's so interesting about it. The Eagles have given up one pass for 20-plus yards. And that was last week to Debo Samuel, late first half, set up a touchdown, changed the momentum of the game. Cowboys live on big plays, so it's kind of the um, immovable object versus the irresistible force. What, what, what gives? Again, if you can't pressure Dak, you're in trouble. The Eagles are down Brandon Graham. Where does the pass rush come from? We have not seen blitzes from the Eagles. So kind of new territory here. Um, but I think you're right. Like I believe that if the Eagles' defense has trouble, it's not against the run. It's more against the pass. I believe that in the NFL, you score big points when you throw the ball and have big plays. As you said, the Cowboys had a lot of rushing yards. That's really impressive. How many points did they score? They won 20-17, they won to 17, right? So you can, I think teams move really well between the 20s, but you need to have big, explosive passing game points. And if the Eagles defense can limit the Dallas Cowboys tomorrow night, they're going to be in good shape.
3: All right, Dave, we got to let you go, but we can't let you go without a prediction on the game. I mentioned the Dallas Cowboys favored by 3.5 points. The total is 51.5. What is your opinion on this outcome for Monday night?
6: Let me say, I'm going to say 30-24 Eagles win this game. Um, I just, it's an Eagles-Cowboys crazy NFC East rivalry. We've seen that the division's wide open. And I think Nick Sirianni is going to have some things up his sleeves. Up sleeve to take advantage of Dallas' secondary, um, the Eagles still match up really well with him up front. They've got speed rushers off the edge. They're light inside. I think the Eagles can can score some points here. I think they'll have to to beat Dallas.
3: All right, sir. Very good. Thank you very much for checking in with us tonight on the Pro Football Blitz, and enjoy the game, Dave.
6: All right, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Look forward to talking to you soon.
3: You got it. That is Dave Spadero. You can follow him on Twitter, at Eagles Insider. Obviously, covers the team like a blanket there. And... He's picking the Eagles outright, and over the total, 30-24, to 24, he said, for a final score.
4: Yeah, I mean, I have some serious questions here, especially with the big injuries that the Eagles suffered last week, and in particular, that pass rush. You know, I mean, are they going to be able to get back there and, and make life uncomfortable for Dak? And also, too, I mean, I, I guess I kind of wonder, you know, last week, Dallas got up, what, 14-0, 14-3 in the first quarter, something like that. Dak wound up not really throwing a whole lot in that game. As I mentioned, that was a rarity for him. Really, since week five or so of the 2019 season, Dak has thrown a ton. I mean, that's been the calling card for Dallas. I have to think that they probably get back to that a little bit more here in this game. I think last week's game state, this kind of necessitated running the football. I don't know that this is going to, and I think they're a much, much stronger team when they are letting Dak throw it around the yard. So, I don't know, I kind of like Dallas a little bit, but again, I want to see where this number goes and see if maybe I can get, a, you know, three minus 115 instead of a three and a half.
3: Oh, okay, so you like Dallas laying three. I do. Okay, yeah, I I like the Eagles, and and I actually played it plus four. Of course, it's down to uh, three and a half now, and actually, Adam, I think it's going to get down to three because a
4: lot of those three and a halves are juiced towards the Eagles. Yeah, I think so too, and again, that's kind of what I'm waiting for here in this game. I I feel like when we came into the season, the Eagles, to me, had the widest range of possible outcomes. They could go four and 13. They could go 11 and six, something like that, I'm still not sure what this team is. At least I know what Dallas is. And I know they're a flawed team, but I, I think they're the play tomorrow night.
3: I have re- been really impressed with Nick Sirianni as a head mm-hmm. coach, too. I, I Like I told Dave, I did not have high expectations for this Eagles team, but they have surprised me positively in the early going the first two weeks of the season. I like the Eagles. I'm on them plus four. I don't think it's bad at plus three and a half either. We'll come back and get into the recap of the Sunday games right here on the Pro Football Blitz. This is the
0: Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the sports betting network.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for money line totals and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way. VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. Welcome back to the Pro Football Blitz. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you. Sunday night football is underway. The Green Bay Packers are on the board. The San Francisco 49er defense keeps Aaron Rodgers and company to a field goal, 3 to nothing in favor of the Packers, about 10 minutes still to go in the first quarter. And Green Bay now down to a a 1.5-point underdog in the live market. Of course, they closed as 3-point underdogs. There was juice on the favorite there, but 3-point underdogs were the Green Bay Packers and now a 2.5-point favorite in the live market as, again, the San Francisco defense is able to hold them to a field goal. And I tell you, we were talking about it in the preview in the first segment, Adam, that Green Bay looks to have some holes on offensive line due to injury, and it really showed there Nick Bosa having his way with a couple of those backups along that offensive line for Green Bay.
4: Yeah, we have the game on in here. We don't have the commentary on, but you know they showed Nick Bosa just getting, or uh, Joey Bosa, excuse me, getting all over the place there. And then, uh, or Nick Bosa it is. Yeah, yeah, I don't <laughs> one know. of those Bosa's. There's like 26 Bosa's. Joey it feels had a like. pretty good game for the Chargers today too. No, he absolutely did. But it's funny, that they show Bosa getting back there and harassing Aaron Rodgers and then immediately go to Bakhtiari on the sideline. Yeah. It's an injury that you talked about in the opening segment on the importance of that. So definitely something that merits watching here as we go forward, especially as we see what the 49ers do here with their first possession.
3: Yep, first offensive possession coming up for San Francisco. They'll receive the kickoff from Mason Crosby and the green bay packers here shortly okay time to play Consider it, book it or drop it this is a game we play on the proof football blitz here we kind of take a look at the futures market i will read a stat sheet off to you adam you will try and guess who it is i will eventually reveal the mystery person and then we will consider it book it or drop it as far as making a bet on this person to win nfl head coach of the year okay you ready First one, his team is scoring 29 points per game, which is currently eighth in the NFL after two weeks. His team is ninth in the NFL in rushing yards, and in five years, this head coach has led his team to a 31-35 and 35 record. As of this morning, his odds to win coach of the year were 14-1. to 1. Who do you think it is? Hmm, let's see, five years. Sean McDermott? It is Kyle Shanahan. Huh. who is in action right now, of course, with the San Francisco 49ers. 14-1 to 1 of this as of this morning. If he wins this game, that may tick down a little bit. But uh, what do you think? Consider it, book it, or drop it.
4: Kyle Shanahan, Coach of the Year. I mean, I think you have to consider it, just simply because of exactly what we've talked about a couple of times on this show already. The NFC West is so good. I mean, if, if Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers win this division, and they certainly have the chance to do that, then Kyle Shanahan would be the Coach of the Year. So I think you definitely have to consider it at this point in time.
3: That's a great point. If if he wins the division, he very well will be a big candidate for coach of the year because this is going to be an absolute grind to win this division. Whoever comes out alive in the NFC West, it's going to be one heck of a coaching job. I like that analysis there. 14-1, to not a bad number either for one of the better coaches in the NFL.
4: Yeah, I really like Kyle Shanahan. I mean, you know, I'm a Browns fan. I'm I'm from Cleveland, and when Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator there, I mean, Bad wide receivers, journeymen were getting open all the time just because of his play design and scheming. So, you know, I figured going to San Francisco, he would have a lot of success, and certainly he has here at least over the last few seasons.
3: Looks like San Francisco has the ball near midfield now, a first down pass there, complete by Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe. Uh, Not showing it on the graphic here, but I believe, yeah, first and 10, still in their own territory, not quite to midfield yet. Looks like about the 36-yard line there for San Francisco, and uh, a running play there is going to be stopped for a big loss. So the 49er problems in the running game showing themselves right there on first down from their own 36-yard line. Three to nothing Packers, currently about eight minutes left in the first quarter. Okay, Player, or coach number two, I should say, his team is scoring 30.5 points per game, which is currently fifth in the NFL after two weeks. His team is eighth in the NFL in points allowed on defense. In five years, this coach has led his team to a 66-45 and record, and as of this morning, his odds to win coach of the year were 12-1. to Sean McVay. You got it. Sean McVay indeed. And he uh, puts another notch in his belt with a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers earlier today. So maybe his odds have ticked down a little bit since this morning at 12 to one. What do you think with McVay consider it? Maybe maybe it's the same handicap as
4: Kyle Shanahan, right? I think it pretty much is, except this is one that I actually did play before the season with, you know, the fact that they got Matt Stafford, certainly expecting that offense to be better. The defense was great last season, of course. So, this is when I did play again for sort of the same reasons why I would consider Kyle Shanahan. If you win this division, you earned it. You deserve it as a head coach. So I don't know. Maybe that's just the straight-up handicap for Coach of the Year is try to pick whoever you like to win the NFC West because you'll probably get a better number on Coach of the Year than you certainly would on any of the futures markets.
3: And what did you get him at prior to the season? Uh, I think it was around that 14 to 1, 12 to 1, 14 to 1, somewhere in there. Okay, yeah, currently 12 to 1. So, uh, yeah, 14, a nice number on Sean McVay and currently presenting a little bit of equity there as well. Uh, All right, final one here as uh, Jimmy G G throws incomplete on third and six, and uh, the San Francisco punt team is in here. Again, seven and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Green Bay now ticks down to a one and a half point underdog once again in the live line. Your total has ticked down to 48 and a half, and that punt will roll into the end zone. That'll be a touchback. Green Bay will start on offense for the second time. From their own 25-yard line. Again, seven and a half minutes left in the first quarter there in Santa Clara. All right, final one here. This team has or this coach has his team off to a two-and-one start in his first uh stint as a head coach in the league. His team is fifth in the NFL in total yards per game. They are fourth in the NFL in passing yards, and they won outright today as a seven-point underdog to the Super Bowl favorites. As of this morning, his odds were 14-1 to to win the NFL Head Coach of the Year.
4: What a phenomenal job Brandon Staley's done so far here. And you know what else, too? And and I really like this about the young breed of coaches that's coming out. Kevin Stefanski does this, too. They are aggressive. They make the right fourth down calls. They do a lot of those little in-game management things that give their teams a better chance to win. Uh, Brandon Staley, the early returns have been excellent.
3: And he was kind of my pick. I didn't make a bet on it, but I kind of liked him. I think prior to the season beginning, he was around 18 or 20 to 1 to win this award. And I I think this award kind of lends itself to a new guy often, like Mm -hmm. Stefanski. Uh, I mean, Bill Belichick, he's kind of like a LeBron where you could say we could give him the MVP every year. Um, But I think it maybe goes to something that's a bit more of a surprise. And and I, I like your handicap of Sean McVay, but you know, hey, he's, he's got one of the favorites, he's supposed to do this. But right. I think it's maybe when a guy exceeds expectations that is new to this type of thing, as obviously Brandon Staley is. But I tell you what, some of those decisions in the last five minutes of the game were pretty odd today. Uh, when they got the ball back from Patrick Mahomes, he threw an interception. And uh, rather than bleeding the clock down, kicking a field goal, or, or bleeding all of those timeouts out of Andy Reid and the Chiefs, they throw a touchdown pass and end up missing the extra point and give Mahomes a chance with 30 seconds left on the clock. That was a little questionable.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, young coaches are going to have those, kind of get caught up in the moment types of things. But, you know, still, I think the early returns for Staley are very good. And obviously, I mean, I can't express how big of an upgrade it is over Anthony Lynn. I mean, it is just... Well, and maybe
3: that's another reason that he is a good candidate to win Coach of the Year because it's such a
4: changeover. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you think about Kevin Stefanski last year. I mean, the Browns were awful. Another great point. And then, absolutely. You know, I mean, 180-degree turnaround, right? Right. I mean, and you think about, I mean, Sean McDermott was second for Coach of the Year last year, and he's a guy that very well could have won it. And he's a guy who was a little bit more experienced. But, again, it's almost like you've got to add, I think if you really want to take a good shot, and as you said, maybe this hurts McVay or Shanahan, somebody like that, you have to add at least five or six wins to the previous year's record, I think, to have a really good shot at Coach of the Year. Maybe Staley's able to do that, or at the very least, you know, if you win the AFC West over the Chiefs, you kind of get the benefit of the doubt there too.
3: Well, there you go. I mean, if you win the way AFC West, I think he, he he's handed the award. I mean, you yeah. talk about Shanahan and uh, McVeigh winning the NFC West. Well, they were kind of co favorites going in. Obviously the Chiefs were a massive favorite to win the AFC West. If they're able to take that crown away from Kansas City, you know, whether it's Vic Fangio with Denver or Brandon Staley, uh, with the Los Angeles Chargers, that's probably almost an automatic right there. But you also make a good point about Stefanski. That's exactly what he did. He won five more games in that uh, in that follow-up year, his first year
4: off of what they did in 2019. Yeah, for sure. I guess I'll ask you the question. I know we're kind of coming up on the break here, but I mean, we saw it today. The Chargers won. You know, they played right with the Chiefs. I mean, are are the Chargers going to win that division?
3: Well, I actually picked Denver. But okay. I did pick the uh, Chargers to make the wild card, and I did not. And I picked the Chiefs to miss the playoffs entirely. And I said this was all a part of our pro football guide at Veasan. Um, and I did a season win total bet on the Chiefs under twelve and a half. And I looked at their schedule, like their first seven, eight games, and I said there's a chance that this team could start one and six. I said it's a long shot, but hey, they're one and two.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I don't know if teams have kind of figured them out or what, but I guess we'll find out as we go forward. That defense is certainly a problem for Kansas City, and
3: it was not able to contain Justin Herbert and the Chargers earlier today. More of the Pro Football Blitz when we come back. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you from the Circa Resort and Casino on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: If you dare.
6: This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on Vsin, the sports
0: betting network.
3: Vsin is now available 24/7 on the YouTube Sports TV Plus package. Sign up today at tv.youtube.com to start your free trial. And remember, you can also watch us 24 7 on Fubo TV, Sling, and Xfic- Xfinity X1. Visit vsin.com to find all the ways to watch and listen to vsin. You can watch and listen to the Pro Football Blitz every Saturday and Sunday. Brady Cannon and Adam Burke along with you in this edition. James Salinas, he is out sick for the weekend. We expect him back next weekend. And, uh, by the way, James did report that he went 3-2 in both his Circa Millions and uh, Westgate Super Contest picks this week. So, Good luck to you, James, going forward in the contest and good job going three and two. I always say nothing wrong at all, going 60% every week. Uh, let's update the Sunday night football game. The Packers are in the end zone. They were forced to, or the they forced the 49ers to punt. They got a touchback out to their own 25 yard line, threw a big play, I believe it was at Valdez Scantling on the receiving end from Aaron Rodgers there. And then uh, in the red zone, they ran it a couple of times. And uh, we talked about Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams. Well, that's how the drive ended. A touchdown. Rogers to Adams. And it is now 10 to nothing. Green Bay out in, out in front of San Francisco. And in the live market here, Adam, they have moved to three and a half point favorites. So they opened the week as three and a half point underdogs. They are now three and a half point favorites in the live market. And your total back up to pretty much where we closed at 51 and a half.
4: Yeah, Brady, and this is exactly what we talked about. You know, can Green Bay get out in front? Can they play from in front and force San Francisco out of their game plan, out of their comfort zone of running the football? Now we probably end up seeing more Garoppolo as we go forward here. I'm sure they'll still try to run the ball in the first half and whatnot. But I will say this, both of us talking about Aaron Rodgers, I think it was, what, 275 and a half? Yeah, That's 272, something was. like that. Yeah. Well, he's more than 46% of the way there already in the first quarter. is not wow. even over. He's got 127 yards, 9 for 9 so far for Rodgers.
3: Yeah, and, and you know, we kind of handicapped this game. I didn't necessarily expect it to be 10 to nothing, Green Bay right now, but we said we expected problems along the offensive line for Green Bay. We expected Nick Bosa and company to have some success with penetration. We've seen that early in this game, especially on that first possession by Green Bay, and we also said we expected Aaron Rodgers to have success against that San Francisco secondary, and that has absolutely been the case for Rodgers and Green Bay.
4: Yeah, they have two 40 plus yard receptions so far here. Lazard's got one, and then the Valdez-Scantling play that you talked about already, so yeah, that uh, the deficiencies of that San Francisco secondary are showing up here in the first quarter, and and again, like I said, I mean, that puts San Francisco in a very difficult spot now because they really like to play from in front and run the football, and doesn't appear they'll be able to do that at least not as of yet
3: it looks like green bay debo samuel gets the ball on an end around there and uh, i'm not sure if he even gained a yard may have lost a yard there uh, it looks like the Green Bay defense is really game planned well to focus on that San Francisco run game because right now they don't have a run game. And, and most of their players are on the injured list right now or were doubtful for this game. So it's the Trey Sermon show there in the backfield for San Francisco. Kyle Shanahan trying to get Debo Samuel involved and whatnot. But uh, Green Bay doing a good job defending the run. And there's George Kittle on another end around. So Shanahan having to get very creative with different players running the ball, Jimmy Garoppolo has not thrown it a whole lot yet, but you know, he's really been forced to be creative in the running game because he doesn't have a lot of players back there.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I have to say, I don't want George Kittle running directly at me. that's uh, <laughs> no. a, a big boy coming <laughs> around there with that carry. And, and this is what the 49ers need to do. They need these third and ones, these third and twos. They had a third and six on the first drive, wound up having to punt. You know, They get these short yardage situations and they didn't convert on that one, but that's really what they need to do, Brady. If, if they want to stick around in this game with what Rodgers is doing in their secondary, they have to have early down success. And if they're not going to do that, then it's going to be very, very difficult.
3: Yeah, that was a uh, high pass. Uh, Garoppolo tried to hit Kittle there on third and one and threw it pretty high, tipped off his hands. It was nearly intercepted, uh, but the 49ers will punt again down 10 to nothing, and Green Bay moves to a four-and-a-half-point favorite in the live market, your total
4: ticks down to 50 and a half let's take a look real quick too I mean third and one there Their bread and butter is running the football yeah and they don't run the ball I think that does speak to exactly what you're talking about about the injury situation at the running back position and maybe what Kyle Shanahan feels about where they're at right now running the football
3: and why isn't that a spot where you bring in Trey Lance
4: you think he would open up
3: a lot of opportunity a lot of options Mm -hmm. for that running game but uh, we will see if we see run that
4: play with Trey Lance
3: absolutely you know, that, like they did to Kittle or Samuel, something like that. I, I think the defense gets back on their heels when Trey Lance comes into the game and says, "Oh boy, what, what's coming now?" Because the the read option there's there's a lot of different things you can do with him. No, and-
4: absolutely. I think it's a great point.
3: All right, let's take a look at one of the most wild games that we saw on Sunday, the Ravens at the Lions. Justin Tucker hits the longest field goal in NFL history at 66 yards. It hits the crossbar and then goes through and into the net for a 19-17 victory over the Lions as time expires. And you could argue that time expired on the third down play beforehand when Lamar Jackson on third down, threw it down the field into field goal range. It looked like the play clock had expired there. That would have made it an even longer field goal for Justin Tucker. But nonetheless, he hits it. And uh, just a really devastating blow to lose that game for Detroit.
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the Detroit Lions franchise, if something can go wrong, it goes wrong. And and obviously we saw that in this game. And look, I mean, you know, this as well as I do, Brady, it's so hard to beat the NFL market. It's such an efficient market you got to beat the VIG on top of it and all of that. But then you also have to beat some of these awful coaching decisions that we see. And then also the officials. Not a banner day for the officials today at all whatsoever. It was a good two seconds or more with that play clock down at zero. Furthermore, how have we not come up with better technology to let the referees know instead of having to look all the way down one end of the field to see a play clock? I don't get it.
3: Yeah, and maybe that will be something that they can improve upon next year. You would think in this day and age you would have technology, a little buzzer goes off in his ear or something, hey, it's at zero, because you're right. It was a pretty solid second and a half after that thing uh, hit zero on that play clock. It would have been a, uh, what, 71-yarder for Justin Tucker at that point the Ravens go on to face the Denver Broncos next week the line back in June was Baltimore minus three and a half I don't think we're going to see that there Uh, I have to believe that one's going to change the Lions will try and get back up off the mat as they travel to Chicago a divisional matchup there with the Bears the Bears were a five and a half point home favorite over the summer and you know, the Bears didn't look that great today either in a loss to the Cleveland Browns, uh, but I would say probably somewhere in the neighborhood of three and a half, four and a half, five and a half is is what we'll see in favor of Chicago at home next week.
4: Yeah, I would think so. Uh, right now, kind of seeing Denver actually a favorite against Baltimore out yeah. there across the yeah. market right now. And look, I think that makes sense. I mean, you know, also something too, the Ravens overcame all those injuries last week to win kind of their regular season Super Bowl over the Chiefs. Not really a big surprise to see this kind of performance today. I did tease them down to minus two, and you know, obviously, that, there's a that there's was, a good push for That you, was huh? an interesting one, <laughs> but you know, I, I think I, I kind of want to ask you, as opposed to looking at the Bears and the Lions here for a second, I want to ask: Do you draw a line through a game like this for Baltimore and say, you know what, it was a really awful spot for them for a team that's still banged up, or do you look at this performance against the Lions team that's simply not very good? And start to have more concerns about Baltimore as we go forward.
3: I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. I was actually on the Lions today. And one of the reasons I was was because you have this phenomenon in the NFL that actually works out quite a bit of the time. And that's where an underdog wins outright and then goes on the road next week and is dressed up in the role of a road favorite and typically you have that kind of shock the world situation like baltimore did to the chiefs on sunday night football so then they put them on the road against the lousy team and we're gonna make them a eight nine ten point favorite whatever it is and it's usually inflated and sure enough that that showed to be true today so i liked going against them for that reason also i felt that You know, we talk about sometimes the fallen hero theory and that next game when the star goes down, that very next game, they rally the troops and the team puts together uh, an inspired effort. And the Baltimore Ravens had so many injuries, Ronnie Stanley out at left tackle, and it was a very inspired effort against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I thought there would maybe be a comeback to reality, a little bit of a letdown, and it, it would just be you know, black and white, hey, we have a lot of injured players. And the the inspiration was last week against the Chiefs. Now this is going to be just real football without a lot of our star players on our defensive side of the ball especially. And it kind of turned out that way as well. And I think a lot of people, what they don't, the the Lions' pass defense is awful. And we even saw Lamar Jackson and the Ravens exploit that a little bit today. Um, But at the line of scrimmage, this team is not too shabby. Their offensive line is pretty good, and their front four is pretty good.
4: Yeah, I think so, too. And and also something to consider about Baltimore. And, you know, maybe we see this with Arizona down the line with Kyler Murray, something like that. You know, if you're in this big favorite role and last week, Lamar Jackson did everything he needed to do to help the Ravens win. If you're Harbaugh, you go into this game and you kind of think to yourself, I don't really want my quarterback getting hit a whole lot. And if Lamar Jackson's not going to be out there running and improvising and all of that it does kind of handicap the Baltimore offense a little bit, so if they do change up the game plan sort of based on the expectation or based on the previous game, something like that, I wouldn't want to lay a big number with a team like Baltimore, and that probably factored into your mind a little bit as well.
3: When we come back, we'll talk about a team that played today that was one of the most popular picks in both the Westgate Super Contest and the Circa Millions Contest. When we return on the Pro Football Blitz, Brady Cannon and Adam Burke with you right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. The v experts live and breathe sports betting, and we've assembled the best team here in Vegas, the gambling capital of the world. Our unique approach helps you learn how to become a better handicapper. We go beyond picks and predictions to discuss the numbers and announce us 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 the numbers and announce
2: Zumo Zumo Play.